When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Another episode of Bully Ball. I'm Jason Aponte, joined by Steph Sanchez on the Gold Standard Podcast Network. Steph, moreover, before we get into the draft, how are you? You look great. I'm good. Thank you. Thank you. Um, I missed you, man. I feel like we hadn't talked in a while. So definitely excited to talk 49ers draft, kickers, you know, all of it with you. See, and you had to go there. And that's why I was going to say, I was going to say, like, you don't miss me. You miss me getting upset. You don't miss me. You knew exactly what you were Well, you getting upset is you. <laughs> I am a generally upset person. Let's 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 put it out on the table. Let's let's put it on the table. Um I generally get upset at things. I'm a passionate person. Very passionate. It's the, a lot of the reason that people dislike me or like me is because I'm passionate. And I will continue to be that because I can't change that. But regardless. Passion, anger, doesn't matter. The 49ers have a full draft class. And they didn't take 11 players this time, Steph, out of the 11 picks that they had. They took nine. And that was the result of a trade-up to, I believe it was pick 87, if I'm not mistaken. Mm -hmm. Okay. Pick 87. They were originally supposed to start with 99. I guess that's the best place to start is where are we with each player? 87. Jair Brown, Penn State, Steph, initial thoughts. Um, I liked this pick, actually. I felt like, okay, okay, we're getting the draft started, like, off right, you know? I I felt like this was a good pick, and it just, like, I thought it was pretty good value at this point in the draft as well. Sure, they they moved up, but clearly this was a guy that they really liked. Um, Offhand, you could tell what they like about him. Just, you know, he, he was a leader on that Penn State defense, uh, you know, they did need a safety. Well, I would argue that they didn't need a safety because Tashawn Gibson did have one year left. So they could have, you know, waited another year to try to get a safety. But I like this move regardless because, you know, I think having a safety that can learn a year under uh, Tashawn Gibson is going to be nice. And this also feels like a Steve Wilkes pick. You know, this was the first draft with Steve Wilkes being the defensive coordinator and we knew he was going to have an extra hand in, you know, trying to build up the secondary and in particular, the secondary depth, which is something that the 49ers needed needed to address in this draft. And so uh, I definitely liked this move right off the bat. I, I think it was a strong pick. 
Yeah, and I like the confidence in trading up for this pick. It means you identified him, you realized what you wanted. I love that. See, I have, I have, I guess I'm trying to use conviction in the right way for once. <laughs> um, um, but I enjoy the conviction in a player that you identified with his traits. And I think you're right. The 49ers have kind of built this roster out with guys who may not contribute in year one, fill an absolutely perfect role for this team. And that's what he does, right? You lose Jimmy Ward. Jimmy Ward's a bit of a Swiss army knife. He's played down in the slot and everything as well, too. I understand Isaiah Oliver's here, but Jair Brown can do it all. Play up high, play down low. Um, he can, he's fast, straight, like, to the ball. His straight line speed in recovery isn't exactly as great as you would think. But at the same time, for me, I feel like this was a smash pick because the 49ers front office identified. And I love this. I loved it. Um, I love when uh, when this team says, you know what, we're going to give up some of these picks and we're going to move up for a guy that we love. And it is a position of need. So Sean Gibson's here for one more year. He can mentor the young man. And then you can get two guys who fit themselves. I feel like Hufanga and Brown are ball hawks, are guys who are fast. You know, they, they have a little bit to learn in terms of the subtleties of route running and maybe what, what teams are trying to do. That's fine. Hufanga was an all-pro. Took him a year to, to pick that up. I feel like this is a similar pick in that way. And if the 49ers are going to have a drop-off a bit in terms of pass rush, then you need to have coverage on the back end. I really, really enjoyed this pick. I really did. Yeah, and and also, you know, I think Brown has experience being a, a single high safety, you know, taking care of the back end. And that's something that, you know, we've called out that Steve Wilkes has ran a lot of historically with his defenses, right? And so we were kind of wondering, obviously we know it wasn't going to be Hufunga who was going to be back there. Deshaun Gibson, uh, you know, I don't know how much experience with that he has in his careers. Definitely not really what he did last season. So because he's at the tail end of his career, you know, this may very well be the last season um, he plays in the NFL. Uh, did he really want to do that? So I don't know, just in case, I feel like having Jair Brown, a guy who has experience with that and, and moving all around the field, I, I think it's going to be great for this defense. But let's talk about the the next pick, right? Guys, we're going to get Jay to talk about kickers really quick. Uh, Jake Moody, I know you're thrilled about this one, Jay. Uh, look, I'm going to tell you this because obviously I was a little upset about this pick, like right off the bat, right? I mean, it's hard not to be. Yes, I know the – 49ers did need a kicker. And I think I also knew that there was a real possibility of this happening, right? That they would uh, draft Jake Moody. I'm just not sure that I saw that happening in the third round, much less with their second pick. Remember they had three third round picks. They could have waited till 102. No, they got Jake Moody with pick 99. Look, I get the logic that uh, fourth round, it was pretty much the back end of the third round. So almost basically a fourth round pick. If you want to look at it like that, the 49ers get third round picks like nobody's business with all these, you know, they've been awarded third round picks because of some of the coaches that have left. Uh, so maybe in that sense, they're like, uh, you know, what's another third round pick we're addressing a need here. So fine. I, I see it in that regard. And Kyle Shanahan did say that, he felt like they pretty much had starters all across the board. And the only position they felt they needed a starter 
was a kicker position. Also fair. Jake Moody, I mean, is or was the best kicker available in this draft. And so I get wanting to, um, you know, draft him. And it seemed like Brian Schneider really, really liked him. And Adam Peters, after the draft, said that this was one of the most collaborative drafts that they've had with their coaches. So I think they were really um, leaning on the coaches to tell them, like, okay, which guys do you guys like? And, you know, we'll kind of base our board or, you know, our draft based on that. So I feel like the fact that Schneider, you know, really liked Moody clearly was his preference for the kicker that they targeted in this draft. You know, I'm going to sit back and just see how this plays out. Um, You like the fact that, you know, Moody, he has a lot of confidence. He has the ability to, um, you know, he's played in a lot of really big games and the 49ers see themselves in a lot of big games. So there's that. And then also he has experience in a lot of, uh, in all kinds of weather, you know, in Michigan, you deal with rain, sleet and snow, and he has all that experience and he excelled in those conditions. So I think, you know, I'm just, like I said, I'm going to sit back, see how this plays out. Historically, I know that kickers, you know, when they're drafted early, sometimes they go in the NFL and they turn into a pumpkin. We're hoping that Jake Moody, you know, doesn't, fall under that trend right and he he actually is worth this pick okay so Steph, <laughs> I, I love you um I've got a lot going on right now I don't know what my computer is doing right now at this point it's like as soon as you mentioned Jake Moody all of a sudden my computer started like crashing crazy oh and convenient like, yeah. very convenient right 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 <laughs> um I want to take Justin's donation appreciate you Justin um I'm here to listen to Jason talk about the kicker I've always agreed with your kicker takes 100% um, and could have had Maguire or Freeland. Okay. So Steph, I want to address your point about positional need. And I want to start there articulately, calmly, and tell you that when you go into a certain draft pick and you are just drafting for positional need and not looking at best player available, it tends to put you in a spot where that pick has to work immediately right you mentioned the history the only other kicker that was drafted higher than jake moody and there's only been four kickers past the fourth round that were picked he's one of them has gained a second contract with that team that's sebastian janikowski roberto aguayo was here today gone tomorrow let's not also forget the fact that while i believe that now that we're talking about competitions jake moody is going to have a leg up Haha, <laughs> you like that. On Zane Gonzalez, well, Zane Gonzalez drills all his kicks of them and his money from everywhere and doesn't miss. By the way, Jake Moody, three of seven from 50 yards out. It's not exactly automatic. So stop telling me, oh, when you have a guy who can kick it from 60 yards out, that's Justin Tucker and that's Justin Tucker only. Only. When you look at what was left on the board, I have a bigger issue with it. And I'm speaking directly to the people who are trying to rationalize this pick with the New England Patriots taking a kicker, which they also drafted a punter, by the way. Hmm. I think you're confusing Bill Belichick, the coach, with Bill Belichick, the GM. Let me explain. Bill Belichick, the coach, is far more successful than Bill Belichick, the GM. Bill Bill Belichick, the GM, drafted and killed Harry, Chase Winowich. Other receivers that are just haven't panned out. Other players that have not panned out. 
I would also like to ask you guys, since Tom Brady left, has Bill Belichick been able to do anything? That's just a question that I have, turning about coach, right? Bill O'Brien gets ostracized all the time for being a bad GM, but he was actually a really good coach. Don't try to explain this pick to me by saying Bill Belichick did it, so can you complain with that? Yes, I can. Bill Belichick was dumb. The 49ers were dumb. This is not a good pick. Regardless of whether you believe this is a positional need, which is obvious, fine, I guess you did, you know, for that. If you're if you're telling me wasting pick 99 or signing Robbie Gold back for five more years for five million dollars for one more year, I'm taking Robbie Gold for five million every single year, especially after the restructure with Christian McCaffrey. But when you look at the talent that was on the board, I mean, for God's sakes, Darnell Washington was almost on the board. Isaiah McGuire is an edge. Blake Freeland is an offensive tackle, which we're going to get to this and why they didn't address tackle at all. Um, I think that that was probably the most interesting nugget of this entire weekend was what they said afterwards and who they have, you know, I, I guess, confidence in. I have a hard time putting this pick in a good spot when there was so much talent on the board. Blake Freeland, Isaiah McGuire, anybody, anybody. So this is why you guys think that I'm just railing on kickers, whatever it is. I would have a better time understanding this pick if the 49ers had picks in the first and second rounds. Mm -hmm. You had three picks in the third round. Each of those picks had to hit. Each of them had to hit. You have to have hits. You can't mess around because you didn't have a first and second round pick. So to play around with third round picks and say, oh, well, this was technically a fourth because of comp picks, da, da, da. No. No. Impact players, you draft them in the third round, they're cheap. They're going to be players that are going to impact your roster going down the line. One more thing before we get off of this kicker topic. I've seen people say, well, the 49ers have not been good in the third round regardless, so why not take a chance on a kicker? That is by far one of the most it, – it's, it's one of the dumbest things I've ever heard. So you have not had success with third-round picks aside from Fred Warner, and you've missed on multiple third-round picks. And your solution for missing on those third-round picks is to just say, I don't care about the pick anymore. I am just going to throw this pick away on a kicker. So instead of correcting your wrongs by trying to take a position of need and value, you said, well, because we've just been bad in third-round picks, we're just going to take a kicker. I have a huge problem with that. I have a I have, I have a way bigger problem with that than you saying that's the best player we felt was available, in my opinion. Like, I would rather they had come out and said, that is literally the best player available that we saw on the board. I would disagree with that, but I would feel better about that than the whole idea of, well, we've missed on so many third-round picks. It's time to just kick one away um, at this point. And uh, shout-out Niner uh, Empire DMV uh, for being a member. But, yeah, I'm, I'm done, Steph. I'm done. When it becomes when it becomes this whole discussion about Bill Belichick took this guy, I don't care. Bill Belichick can be wrong, and Bill Belichick has been wrong a bunch. Bill Belichick, the coach, is not Bill Belichick, the GM. So do not use the Patriots and their picks as a way to justify this pick, which I feel is a failure. And I probably have a bigger I probably have a bigger problem with the pick after this stuff. We can just turn right to that. Yes. I no, that's what I was gonna ask you. Like what 
which of these two picks are you more upset with? By the way, before we move on, I just wanted to point out the fact. So Jay, right before we went live, he said he was going to say little to nothing about, <laughs> about kickers. And what what are we, like five minutes in talking about kickers? You just I was like looking at my watch in between. Like, when is he's still going oh my god man but, uh, i love it so much i'm know, so glad that you brought that I know up you, man i know you because you can't you can't help it like every nah. time you're like no nah, i'm not gonna get nah. to talk about it and then no, you just well, look, on this right, like, look, rant. <laughs> look everybody understands that i i value the kicker much differently than other people do because i feel like it's one of the least value the well, kicker at all <laughs> Pretty much, pretty much at this point. I mean, for yeah. God's sakes, all of the guys that are big in this league were guys that weren't drafted and turned it on later in their career. And then people want to turn around, well, you need to draft your franchise kicker. It's pretty stupid. But, uh, yeah, I mean, it, it, it enrages me just because there was so much talent on the board, right? This isn't a fifth, sixth-round pick where, you know, anything can happen. You know, I, I would have felt way better about that. But pick 99, I'm good, man. Please, please. But yeah, let's let's talk about the next pick because just three picks later, uh, they picked a tight end, which you know was a position of need. You know they need depth there. We knew that they would draft a kicker at some point. I also kept saying like, okay, this is a position they could also double dip on. So given all of these things, they go out and they draft Alabama tight end Cameron Latu who I personally think he would have been available way later in the fifth round, maybe even the seventh. If Braden Willis went in the seventh, I feel like Cameron Latu could have also been there available in the seventh. And I, I felt like there were other tight ends who were better that were still on the board. I mean, I'm pretty sure Will Mallory was still there, right? Yes. Someone you liked, Jay. Um, so in comparing both of these two picks – Say what you want about the 49ers kicking, uh, picking a kicker, but at least they picked the best kicker there was in the entire draft. Maybe. With 102, Cameron Latu, not even the best tight end that was available at that spot. So I kind of I, I questioned this pick. Um, I question the vision. Like they, they might have a vision for him. You know, they th- there might be something they like about him. Remember, you know, we didn't really like the George Kittle pick or maybe. Maybe I don't. I shouldn't say that, but we didn't think that it was. People weren't jumping for joy when George. Yeah, Kittle it was, was a head scratcher. Like we right. didn't. We didn't know because we looked at the college production and assumed mm-hmm. like, okay, what is what is this? Like, what is he gonna do? There wasn't a lot there from the college um, standpoint in his production. It's kind of the same thing with Cameron Latu, and let's not forget he played at Alabama too. So it's not like he didn't have the opportunities, right? Um, granted, he wasn't the top. You know person in that offense the top target but you know I think the point still stands that this was a little you know maybe confusing and I would almost call him a a developmental uh tight end prospect he didn't start playing tight end until 2019 Alabama recruited him as a defensive end actually coming out of high school so and and also if you look at his athleticism you know usually when you're banking on someone uh you're looking at traits you know if, if he has crazy athleticism you can't really fault the pick, right? But his athleticism is average. He isn't fast, 4.7840. He's 6'4", so at 242 pounds. So it's not like he's huge either. Um, so yeah, only bench 14. Strength, also kind of a question mark. So I, I'm kind of wondering what they saw in this pick. And clearly it was someone that they really liked because to go for him in the third round, if you look at all the other two picks, 
Jair Brown, who they traded up for, Jake Moody, who I was saying uh, Schneider, you know, was really banging the table for. What What's the deal with Cameron Latu? Like, was this a Brian Flory pick? I, I don't know. I'm still, I guess, uh, kind of waiting to see how this one shakes out. Yeah, and, you know, I guess I was blinded with, you know, what happened in 99 for me to not really fully understand what happened with Cameron Latu because I had to actually write about it on Niners Nation, so I went to it. And I just remember what I saw, and I just wasn't overly impressed. And when we were doing mocks, he was a guy that was ending up later and later on. I, I feel like as much as... I fell a little bit on Zach Coombs. He was still available. Will Mallory, who I loved, I think he was he was still available. Davis Allen from Clemson, he was still available. I mean, for God's sakes, Darnell Washington was almost available at 99. Like, that's how far he was watching. He was falling down. Um, yeah, I mean, if this pick turns out to be great, then I understand it. But this one was a head scratcher. I have to say, draft grades don't mean much. But after the first three picks... I have to give the 49ers probably like a B minus C plus at the best. And that's only because of the last two picks. Jair Brown is a steal. Like you started this draft off beautifully with Jair Brown. And I'm like, wow, mm -hmm. here they go. Then you take a kicker and then you take one of the lowest regarded tight ends right there in a spot where it felt like you were reaching a little bit. Yeah, this first day didn't really, it didn't really line up for me. And, and again, hindsight's a beautiful thing, whatever. We're looking at it right now, but if we're a year or two down the line and, and Jake Moody is Justin Tucker reborn and, and Cameron Lado is, is Rob Gronkowski, then whatever. Like, who cares about the draft grade? But all we're going on right now is just what we see, what was on the board, what was there. So it's not necessarily hindsight since we're just coming off the weekend for it. But at the same time, that one was more of a head scratcher than anything because that was a position player. And again, you could have had another player. You could have had someone else. So... That one was a little bit like Keely Ringo, like was available. I mean, like there were so many football players available for you to take in these two rounds and these two picks in this round. And then you walk away with a kicker and a guy who wasn't as highly regarded in Lado. And it's just like this one did not jive for me the entire way. Stuff. This first day was a little bit of a disappointment. But I will say this. I love the rest of the draft. I yeah, actually love the rest of the draft. So we can get into that. I love the rest of the draft compared to how they started. How they started was a little bit of a head scratcher. Fine. You know, it is what it is. Coaster. Again, how say again? It was a roller coaster. It yeah. started off really high and then you, just <laughs> you get on that dip. But yeah, so, I mean, in round five, they they turned it around. And, and this is where they, it, historically, they've kind of made their money, right? In terms of some of the picks that they've made in the fifth round. Um and so some of these guys I thought were pretty good value. I mean, Darrell Luter, we talked about the fact they needed a corner depth. I was actually surprised they only got one corner in this mm. entire draft. Uh, but I do like that pick. He's, you know, very aggressive, long-armed corner. I think historically that's something that Steve Wilkes has always, um, you know, been attracted to for his corners, just like really long arms, length. Uh, and Luter's also very strong. One thing that Adam Peters says, he was the most mature guy they had met in, in the draft process. Uh, so that stands for something, clearly uh, a cultural fit for the 49ers, and that's something they highly regard. So, uh, yeah, it, it seemed also he stood out at the Senior Bowl, which the 49ers love the Senior Bowl and, like, scouting guys there. So uh, this feels like a, a really good fit for this defense, and I'm excited to – you know, he'll be depth, right, for this first year probably, mm -hmm. maybe uh, some special teams contributor. But I'm excited to see going forward uh, what this pick will look like.
speed, athleticism, length, those are all things that the 49ers like absolutely look at when they come to when it comes to cornerbacks. He's somebody who can contribute on special teams immediately, give them depth. And that was my biggest issue was after Lenore, after Ward, what do you do? You don't turn it back over to Ambry Thomas. You need to have guys that you can actually depend on at this point. Um, and again, it's not my opinion on Ambry Thomas. Just ask the 49ers. They're like literally trying to play anybody but him at this point. Um, but some of his stats, uh, four interceptions, 10 pass breakups, 21 tackles, two for loss, and 10 starts in 2021 as a senior, 42 tackles and interceptions, seven pass breakups, and 13 starts. At this point in the draft, you take chances on high athleticism, Hot, mm-hmm. guys who can run fast, things like that, that have slid down. So I really like this. Um, I, I always thought cornerback was something that the 49ers need to address, um, you know, because I think we kind of had a foregone conclusion that Emmanuel Mosley was going to come back. But um, like Adam Peters said about Luter, he's a man already, and he impressed the heck out of me. That was probably the biggest thing that stuck out with Luter the most. So, again, um, I like it. I like his I like his speed. His profile is clear, something that the 49ers definitely look at when it comes to cornerbacks as Luter. So um, round five. 173. Steph, we got a new metric. We got a new metric. And this is something that, again, when we talk about the 49ers are on the cutting edge of -hmm. player evaluations and metrics and advanced analytics, we got the GTFO rating. Do you you want to explain to our our viewers who, who aren't familiar with what that metric is? Well, usually the acronym means, you know, get the f*** out. Uh, oh, but in this wait, case, hey, it's a family show. Hey, I got, <laughs> Rob, bleep it out. Bleep it out, Rob. Uh, but in this case for the 49ers, it could mean that, but also I think it's more so uh, related to get off, right? Uh, right. Get the f- off. Uh, so I think for them, they, and, they, and they said that their R&D department can measure how quickly guys get, what, two yards off the line or something like that. So clearly Robert Beal was the quickest. He had the highest GTFO grade in this draft. And also, you know, John Lynch spoke about the fact that, you know, Kirby Smart just had glowing reviews of Robert Beal. And, and Kirby Smart is someone who John Lynch, I think, uh, trusts in that regard. So, He was a part-time player at Georgia, but I think situationally he was very effective. Started 10 games out of 59 that he appeared in. So again, uh, just had one role specifically. And I think he'll have just one role with this defensive line as well. And we know that Chris Kosarik loves to just uh, find a role for guys and, you know, he'll he'll find something for them. So I think we were talking about the fact that the 49ers needed a speed rusher Yaya Diaby, you know, went pretty early. He went before the their third-round picks. I think they would have liked Diaby with one of those third-round picks, by the way. But um, you don't get him, so you wait. Isaiah McGuire, we talked about the fact he was available. Obviously, they didn't like him at that spot. So I think Robert Beal in the fifth round, I think that's great value for being able to find a, a speed rush guy, 4.4740. Um, he has long arms as well. And he grew up watching Alden Smith. And so, hey. Makes We're me feel old. a little old. Yeah, it makes me feel a little old. But, uh, hey, if you're watching Alden Smith and, and can grab some things out of his game or Nick Bosa as well, you're already off to a good start. Yeah, absolutely. Speed rusher, um, a guy who I think his his draft stock was because of – or where it was was because of him being a rotational guy and not playing much. But in 15 games that he played last year, 26 total stops, 20 quarterback pressures in his senior year – Four tackles and a quarterback strip sack in the in the national title game. One of the 
few Georgia players that didn't end up being a Philadelphia Eagle <laughs> somehow. I mean, I, I, I don't understand it. Like, you could have taken an elevator ride in Georgia or had lunch in one of those rooms and Harry Roseman's on the phone looking for you. Um, but yeah, again, speed rusher fills a role again, rotational. I do think that where you see him selected means that the 49ers have big stock in what Drake Jackson's about to do. Mm-hmm. He's going to need to step up immediately. We do have something else to talk about that pertains to that. But I do think when you look at the way that the 49ers drafted, it tells you two things. One, Colton McKivitz is that guy. He's the big man on campus. He's that guy. They love him at right tackle already. He hasn't even really played much, but they love him. And also, there's a possibility that the 49ers address this position later on, but they're good with what they have, and I think they're banking on Drake Jackson. So let's move on to round six, 216th overall. D. Winters, TCU. When you look at what the 49ers value again in linebackers. And I think this was a masterclass in what we kind of known about how the 49ers evaluate talent and what they like in their players. Stop me if you've heard this before. Safety converted to linebacker, very fast, mm-hmm. plays with his hair on fire, most valuable player in the playoff semifinal, seven tackles, three for loss, 29 interception return, and a pass breakup in the win against Michigan. So doesn't that feel like... Fred Warner, Drake, Drake Greenlaw, like, it, like he, he's in such already? a niner. Yeah, <laughs> such yeah. a niner. And like you look, if you look at all the linebackers that the 49ers have drafted in, within this regime, they've all had that that similar mold, right? The the safety linebacker converter hybrid, right? And kind of vice versa. It kind of goes both ways. Like you look at Hufunga, who who's very plays in the box as well. So they kind of like their guys to be able to do both. And I, I really like this pick when I was at the senior bowl, there was two linebackers that stood out to me. One of them was Marty Mapu. The other one was D winters. Both of them. I looked at both of them and I was like, these guys look like Niners. Like just the way that they play linebacker, they look like Niners. So those are two guys that I really liked going into the process. And I was like, if the 49ers go for a linebacker, I want one of, either of these two guys, Marty Maypoo went pretty early. So D winters again in the sixth round, like I felt like that was great value. And because this is such a great fit, maybe other teams weren't seeing it as much, but I think this is a great fit for the 49ers. So to me, this could potentially be a steal. And John Lynch said about winters comparisons are dangerous because you have to go do it, but he has similar traits to Drake Greenlaw. So I mean, yeah, you got to bank on that. And, you know, as part of TCU's defense, he tied Dylan Horton for the team lead with 14 and a half tackles for loss. And he plays second with seven and a half sacks. So, you know, he could be effective going after the quarterback as well. Played some wide receiver in high school. So we talk about like the athletic traits as well. And that's really what you bank on. And I have no worries at all about the 49ers, you know, scouting linebackers. This is one of the positions that they nail every single time. So I'm really excited to see what D winters is going to look like in this defense. Yeah. A hundred percent. And again, it looks like a niner, right? It looks like somebody that they have, he's just such a niner. He just fits in right there. (laughs) And a little bit to the Drake Greenlaw point. Sometimes Drake Greenlaw would play with such a fast motor that he would move himself out. And that was one of the things out of plays, right? Like out of run plays. And at times that's a little bit of what D winters has, but you can't teach effort. And I think that's what the 49ers are excited about when it comes to green law, when it comes to winters, it's like, we can curb that. We can yeah. turn that into a positive effort. Isn't something you can teach. You either have it or you don't. And both of these guys seem to have it. And that's why Dre Greenlaw was able to turn in such a great season. Hopefully, you know, Dre and D kind of works together, man. It really does. Like it's just one letter apart, whatever. 
Let's move on. Braden <laughs> Willis, who you got to speak with a lot at the combine. So I'm gonna let you cook a little bit on this as well. Yo, too. yeah, man. I'm so excited that that they made this pick. I was actually so scared because right before this pick was coming, Braden Willis was there for them, right? And I saw Aaron Wilson, who covers like the Texans, he actually tweeted because the Texans picked right before the Niners and he tweeted that the Texans had selected Braden Willis. And I was like, no, but I, I obviously it was a mistake. I don't even know who the Texans ended up getting after that. But then I saw, saw the tweets flooding in that the 49ers had selected him. And I was like, oh, my God, yes, I have been banging the table for Braden Willis throughout this entire process every time I was on people's shows and they were like who do you think like the 49ers could realistically draft out of this group blah 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 I would always say Braden Willis and because I latched on to what he said about the 49ers at the combine when I interviewed him I asked him had you met with the 49ers he said yes and unprompted he said they lo- I love them they love me you'd never get those type of responses usually from players, especially in a setting like the combine where you're kind of, you know, just trying to keep everything equal. You're not really leaning towards any particular team, but for him to say that, and not only for him to say that he loves the Niners, but they love him as well. I think that, you know, spoke to how interested they were in him. And, you know, I always felt like that was a possibility to get him in the seventh round. I felt like that was a steal. And honestly, I I feel like, yeah, not a lot of people know about Braden Willis, but he's very versatile. Uh, You can line him up anywhere, really. And 2022 was his first year as a full-time starter at Oklahoma. He had seven touchdowns on 39 receptions. You do the math. That's that's some pretty good uh, touchdown odds right there. And his seven touchdowns led the team last season. So, and again, that was his first year as a starter in that offense. So think about what he can do, uh, you know, when he gets more opportunities and coming out of college, you know, his, his career stats are very similar to that of George Kittle and, you know, not to compare too much, uh, you know, these two players, but I think when you look at, yeah, he hasn't really hit his stride yet. He hasn't really hit his ceiling yet, right? So Braden Willis, I think, is going to be someone who develops into a weapon for this team, and I'm really, really excited. Yeah, Peyton said he had Braden Willis ranked over Latu. I, I 100% feel the exact same way, which is kind of weird. Like, had Braden Willis been the third-round pick? Let me just pretend. Let me just pretend that Braden Willis was picked in the third round. That would have made sense. And then let me just pretend that Latu was that seventh round pick. And maybe, like, I feel a little better, right? If you just switch a little things around. You I feel mean, a little bit players. better. You we feel a little bit better. At the end of the day. Right. And you feel a little bit better, right? Braden Willis, like, I thought you could have later on as well, too. But, like, in that, in, in this regard, and this is where I'm going to put my spin on it because I think you've done an incredible job being able to speak with him and peel back the curtain a little bit. He feels like maybe a Kyle Juszczyk replacement in case, God forbid, he gets injured or if he moves on from the team, can play a little H-back. But he also feels like a guy who offers you the run blocking that you so desperately need as 49er fans, right? Every tight end has to run block, even though Ross Dwelly's still on his team for the sixth straight year. Um, He can offer you that, but he can offer you the upside of his hands that Charlie Warner Mm -hmm. can't. So this really feels like the move at tight end that's got me a little bit more excited. This is why I wanted them to pair someone like Will Mallory with someone like this, because in many of the mocks that I did, I took two tight ends thinking you need to double up on this position. The reason is you get yourself that run blocker, but get yourself an offensive weapon. Also like Will Mallory, like somebody else that that can run down the field and, and run past people, have yards after the catch, like find ways to 
create more mismatches. And I think, again, with Braden Willis, the versatility that he offers in, in terms of where he can line up, you're absolutely right about. But he also could be the guy that you sneak in in, in bunch tight end formations. He, he looks like he's about to block, but he can sneak out and actually catch the ball, unlike Charlie Warner. So I love this one. This one probably feels like the better of the two moves, not only just because of value, but the player-wise. So, I, yeah. again, man, like the first day bothered me. But as more as you go along, and it doesn't really matter where you draft these guys right at this point, as long as they produce, I felt way better about the draft later on and who they've taken. Most of these players felt like they were really who they honed in on in terms of skill set and what we've seen. The first three felt like the first one was correct, right? Like, I love the Jair mm -hmm. Brown thing. The other ones were just like, well, we got to address the position of need. And they must have really liked Cameron Ladu for some reason. For I reasons mean, we don't know yet. We don't I know. <laughs> we don't know. But Peyton said the same thing. I had Braden uh, Willis over a lot too. Let's yeah. turn to the 49ers addressing wide receivers. So a lot of talk this week. Wait, really, about... re really quickly before yep. we move on to yep. Ronnie Bell. Um, I, one more thing about Braden Willis. I want to say you you talked about the fact yeah he played fullback yeah he could do a bunch of things. You didn't even mention the fact he could play wildcat. Yep, quarterback. I mean, he could do it. He could do it. I mean, instead of trading Jer quarterbacks, Jer you bring in more. Give him the Jarek McKinnon package. <laughs> hey, 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 slow down. Super Bowl champion Jarek McKinnon. Make sure you get it right. And he's also back with that team. You know, the Chiefs locking in their quarterback one this late in the process is something that, again, we have to give them credits for at this point. Um, that's for, for you guys that don't understand the inside joke between Steph and I. But round seven, 253, the 49ers finally address wide receiver. This whole talk this entire week. Brandon Ayuk, is he going to get his 50-year option picked up? Yes, yeah, 50-year option was picked up, right? Like, mm -hmm. it, it makes complete sense. Well, is he going to be traded? Uh, well, no, he wasn't traded. But you also do have to address the position still, right? There's six guys that make this team. You can probably set your watch to Debo Samuel, Brandon Ayuk, Jawan Jennings, Ray Ray McLeod, Danny Gray. That's five. Steph, does Ronnie Bell have a chance to be that sixth receiver? I think he has a chance for sure. I mean, he definitely – what gives the guys the chance when they're at the bottom of the depth chart, you play special teams. Do you? What other value do you bring besides playing that one position, right? And he does have that special teams ability. Yes, they already have a returner, but I feel like, you know, he could still contribute in that aspect uh, on special teams, right? Uh, so I – I think uh, this is a great pick. He was a team captain. Again, going back to what the 49ers typically like. They like leaders. They like guys who are culture fits. And so Ronnie Bell, definitely one of them. I was joking around uh, on my podcast yesterday because I was, uh, you know, when I have to do my thumbnails for my videos, I got to look up some of these players, right? And so I looked at Ronnie Bell's images. If you look at Ronnie Bell's Google images, You'll just see him making some acrobatic catches. He's he's got a dude in his face, but he's catching it with you know his fingertips. And he, you know, to me, I, I tweeted out last night. If, if I had to do a scouting report on Ronnie Bell just based on his pictures, I'd tell you like he's got concentration. He he could go after the ball. He has fantastic body control. All these things, and and you know, I I think all those things are true. I haven't really even dived into the tape, but all, all I've read about him are these things as well. So I thought that was pretty funny. But yeah, definitely is going to be a fit, and I could see him being the heir apparent to Juwan Jennings eventually. Love that you said that because that's where I was going with it. Just in case, again, maybe Brandon Ayuk's here next year. Maybe he's not. I don't know. I I can't speculate on that. I know he's going to be here this year. Um, but yeah, you have to insulate yourself with more. Ronnie Bell looks like a Kyle Shanahan receiver. 
guy who's shifty, can get himself open here and there, like at the last moment, contested catch guy, can play in the slot. He's got that dog in him. And uh, like what Shanahan said, he can fit into any position. And he seemed like one of the more reliable wideouts that we had watched in all the college football. Remember, catch the football, no block, no rock. It only goes, it, that's a, only a rule for wide receivers, but Ronnie Bell can do all of those things. I really like that pick as well, too. And then the 49ers addressed uh, running back, uh, linebacker one more time, Jalen Graham um, out of Purdue. First of all, boo Purdue, let's go Hoosiers. But uh, we're not here to talk about like personal biases here. Um, Steph, what's your overall take uh, takeaway with uh, Jalen Graham? So once again, a guy who has experience, you know, I think with safety as well, if I'm not mistaken, Jalen Graham started all but one game in his collegiate career. So he has a ton of experience. And I think that's great as well, because, again, at the end of the draft, you're banking on trades, you're banking on certain things. And I think experience is probably what they're banking on with Jalen Graham. And like I said, they've hit on pretty much every linebacker they have ever drafted. Even the undrafted free agents uh, have looked pretty good. So I like this pick. I'm not mad at it at all. Career stats for Jalen Graham, 169 tackles, 12 and a half for loss, three forced fumbles, two sacks, three interceptions. So, you know, I really like this one. And what Lynch said about Graham, we were torn between D winters and Jalen Graham. Uh Ultimately D winters beat him out. When Jalen is still there at the end, you go get Jalen Graham. We like them both. So I think in the 40 mi- 49ers mind, you know, say what you want about the you know draft grade and all that. I know a lot of people aren't a big fan of the 49ers draft uh, looking from the outside in, right? But I feel like the 49ers, they really love their draft. Like if you had Jalen Graham and D. Winters and you were able to get both of them, if you had Cameron Latu and Braden Willis and you were able to get both of them, you know, I think – you know, for them, they probably felt like a lot of talent that was on their board fell to them, right? And so it's all about perspective, and I, I like this pick for the 49ers. Yeah, me too. Again, um, linebacker, speed guy who can contribute right now. I mean, I, after Drake Greenlaw, it's Marceline, Marcelino McCrary Ball, who's very fast as well, too. I know the 49ers are high on him as well. And you have Demetrius Flanagan Fouls. Something about this team and three names and hyphenated names that, that get you automatically <laughs> tied Davis Price, Marcelino McCrary Ball, um, Demetrius Flanagan Fowles. Um, yeah, so <laughs> there, there's such Niners when it comes to that. But, um, yeah, this one makes sense. Again, day one bothered me, or day two bothered me. Yeah. Day two bothered me, with especially with the last two picks. But later on, um, I felt like this draft really, really uh, took shape, and I really enjoyed some of the picks that were there as well, too. Steph, before the draft happened, though, we got some news about a restructure of a contract, which was actually Christian McCaffrey, which put aside, I think it was like eight to ten million dollars. Right. Like the, the now the 49ers are in that eight to ten million dollars salary cap range. Um, eight point five. Right. Yeah. So obviously the first speculation is, oh, oh my God, you trade and trade Lance, man. They're, they're, there we go. They can take the dead cap hit on now. But that didn't happen. But Steph, where I'm going with this is. You only needed about two or three million dollars to take on your entire draft class. Yeah, there's a lot of money left over. Are the 49ers ready to add somebody in free agency that's still out there? There's a ton of talent still out there for the 49ers, particularly at Edge, to add. Is that what the 49ers are doing? Yeah, absolutely. Um, there is a lot of talent uh available. I don't know if that's what they're doing. They definitely didn't need to make this move, as you mentioned, to sign their draft class. Um, but 
maybe they're using this for, you know, just to have money to spend throughout the season. You know, you never know what can happen. Uh, but usually when you restructure a contract and at this point it's like, you need the money now, I feel like that's, that's usually when restructures happen. Um, I don't know. We could see some signings happen. I think before training camp, I think, uh, if you recall to Sean Gibson, you know, was signed right before training camp, albeit that was when I th- believe Jimmy Ward was hurt at that point, we but didn't know you never how know, long right? Jimmy Ward was going to be right with Gibson. We thought it was just going to be a one year, th- um, you know, one game thing, just insurance. Yeah. Yeah. So I think the 49ers could go bargain shopping again. Uh, you know, compensatory formula doesn't really count at this point. So it's smart for them to have waited until after the draft. And to your point, there is a lot of edge talent still out there. Frank Clark, Yannick, Leonard Floyd still out there. Even Clowney is still out there, right? So I think there's a lot of great talent uh, for the 49ers to potentially bring in some other guys. And maybe they look at other positions besides, uh, you know, edge, right? We talked about the fact they need a lot of corner depth. Well, they only drafted one corner. Maybe they want to get a free agent corner. Um, I believe Marcus Peters still available. Marcus Rocky Peters Stin, is still available. You know, at that point, like as depth, that that's not a bad signing, right? So um, I would definitely consider some of that and, We'll, we'll see what they do, but I am expecting them to probably bring in a couple more bodies. Yeah, I mean, for me, this does feel like a little bit of opening things up just in case during the season. If you need a piece and someone is is willing to move somebody, we've seen the 49ers kind of do that. Still got to sign Bosa, so I, yeah, I saw that Peyton that put that up. Yep. It is, but Nick Bosa, when he signs his extension, he's not going to count much for the cap this year. So when they signed him, they didn't necessarily need cap space this year. The cap hits come in the year after. So they can still, like Nick Bosa is somebody who is probably going to get his extension right before training camp starts. We've seen that happen. Mm-hmm. Debo Samuel, all those things have kind of worked themselves out in that way. Um, so that's one way to look at it. But I do think it's two things. It is, one, keeping yourself open and flexible just in case there is a piece that becomes available from a team that's not contending at this point that can help put you over the top. And also... I do think you should really, really go for an edge. You said Yannick Ngakwe, Justin Houston, um, who I've been banging the table for. I mean, there's a lot of guys there that can help you right now while you get guys going, right? You know, we talked about Beal. He's a fifth rounder. Doesn't necessarily mean that he's going to contribute right away. Doesn't mean that you should write him off. But the 49ers have been insulating themselves, right? So that's why, like, I kind of joke with you in our pregame, you know, our pre-podcast text messages where I said, you know, bring in more kickers and long snappers because you never know who's going to get hurt, right? Like, that's what you do with quarterbacks and everything as well, too. The war of attrition happens quickly in this league, and you never know when it's going to happen. So bringing in reliable pieces, guys that you know can contribute, like Justin Houston, Yannick Ngakwe, um, you know, you, you mentioned Leonard Floyd, you mentioned Jadavian Clowney. Those are the things that and those are the types of players that fit what the 49ers are doing. They're close. You you know, none of those guys are going anywhere to rebuild. None of them are getting a bag. Many of them probably put off signing because they didn't want to get into OTAs and mini camp and all that stuff. And they were just like, well, just fast forward me to training camp. And they've afforded themselves those rights because they have been in the league so long and they're, they're professionals. But, yeah, I definitely think that there's something to do with um with edge and uh, Kenny asks, why does every team hate Yannick? This would be six teams in eight years or whatever. Um, I have an unpopular opinion about Yannick um, that I want to get off real quick. I mean, it feels like all of my opinions are unpopular at this point. So I might as well just stop saying that. I just might as well just say I have an opinion. 
<laughs> um, last year, Yannick played fine for the Colts, but it wasn't like he was absolutely dominating, right? Like off the snap. Like, and if you guys go back and watch, some were coverage snacks, coverage snacks, coverage sacks. Some were, um, some were the quarterback holding it a little bit too long. Some were just straight up hustle plays, which hustle plays shouldn't go against them. But that's the point, right? And this is what I've been saying about Yannick. If he was so great, if the Colts loved him so much, they replaced him with Samson Ebukam. And they gave Samson the bag. They immediately moved off him. I don't want to speculate about why teams aren't in on them because sometimes I think fans, what they lose is if someone goes unsigned, if someone's unsigned for long, they're like, oh, the league hates them. Sometimes players say, I'm not taking any calls. I'm not taking any deals right now. I've got this, this, and this going on. Or I don't feel like playing football right now. So there, there are different factors when it comes into that. But somebody who 49er fans can't stop mentioning, why did Indianapolis just say, oh, we're good, man. We're going to go with Samson Ebukam um, and pay him more than we paid you. That's kind of a red flag for me. If he was so great, the Colts would have been all over him. Not that he won't be great here. He would be a rotational piece. But the unique thing is, is gotten in the way of, uh, it's a name. It's more of a name. And it's gotten in the way of like rational discussion about his play. That's why I like Justin Houston. Justin Houston's a hired gun, one year, pass rushing specialist, only on passing downs. I, I think you can get him for cheaper than you could for Yannick Ngakwe. Mm -hmm. And I think that's really where I'm at with it. But the 49ers still have an opportunity right now when you see them not go edge much early in the early rounds, that was a big thing to me that was saying this team has a plan to sign somebody else afterwards. I love this. And for, for somebody who builds in the trenches, Clean and Farrell and Austin Bryant aren't exactly the needle movers that you need. You need rotational guys. And I think that there's, you know, there's something to that. So, again, I, I see Justin Houston's stuff up here. Justin Houston was an every down player two years ago with the Baltimore Ravens, had decent sack numbers. They put him in a pass rushing role and his pressures and his sacks almost like doubled. And he's just a guy, go get the quarterback. Stop playing him on every down. You have other players that can play on every down. He is there in obvious passing situations to go get the quarterback. I like Justin Houston a lot. Yeah. I mean, they got options and that's the the beauty of, of this at this point after the draft, when there's still a lot of free agents available is having options. And so, you know, I think the 49ers are going to pick someone who they feel is best for their team. You know, to your point, Jay, you know, maybe Yannick's not that guy. Uh, and as some people are maybe uh, suggesting in the comments, you know, maybe it's a culture thing. Maybe it's a character thing. Right. So uh, that's also possible. But, yeah, I mean, I, I fully expect them to to make a move here. And I'm I'm pretty excited. I mean, not to dive into the undrafted free agents a bit, but they did. You know, I, I was kind of wondering like about interior defensive linemen as well, because I felt like they could have used some depth there as well. And, you know, they, they didn't bring anyone in. Spencer Wagey at a NDSU is someone who uh, they can move on the inside. He played defensive end for uh, North Dakota State for the most part, but he could play on the inside as well. So that's someone who they can, you know, potentially bring in as depth too but you know some of these undrafted free agents don't always stick but that's why I think it's it's always good to also look at some of the free agents who are out there who already have the NFL experience that's the thing is like there's people that have been draft capital 
and they don't make they don't start the first year. Juwan Jennings is somebody that you can think of, you know, whether it's injury or not, whatever it is. But when the later rounds happen, you have more of a chance to cut those guys, which is why, you know, if you took Jake Moody in the third round, you better start. Oh my God, you better start. Oh my God. But you know what, Jay? Um, like to again, we're we're not gonna go too deep into the undrafted free agents, but as of right now, like I'm a little surprised that the 49ers haven't brought in a quarterback. You know, I was expecting that they would probably get one at like towards the end, you know, mm-hmm. sixth round, maybe seventh round. Uh, but they didn't even pick one up as a priority free agent. So I'm a little surprised. There was a couple of guys that were available that I wouldn't have been mad at at all if they brought in uh, as part of their UDFA class. And I, if I'm not mistaken, I think they still have a few roster spots, you know, still available even after this initial list of undrafted free agents came out. So I, I think John Lynch and Kyle Shanahan both expressed that they would like to bring one in. But I don't know when that's going to happen because most of the guys who, you know, were priority free agents uh, after the draft have already been picked up. So then who's really there for you as a quarterback option? Well, I'll I'll wait and see, but I'm wondering if they'll get someone else. Yeah, Kyle Shanahan on the fourth quarterback said, we'd love to get a fourth guy here. We'll, we'll see which one it is. We'll be all right, though, in the offseason. We'll get to training camp. Hopefully we get QB1 Brock back soon. <laughs> he Steph. did not say QB1, just to clarify. Uh, him just mentioning Brock Without immediately. Sp- yeah, no, him no, just, for sure. But he, him just mentioning Brock immediately as quarterback one. But I know, I know. But, you know, people because people won't be, believe that. People, people Then people are going to be on Twitter, like Jay said, that, that Kyle said uh, he called Brock. Kyle and John have been saying it in no <laughs> uncertain terms. No, I Stop know, it, guys. All right, I but know. Steph. I think what we should have learned about this quarterback stuff is, you know, John Lynch and Kyle Shannon have been saying we love our quarterback room. Maybe we should start listening to them. Maybe there's no secret message behind that. Maybe they were looking at all the options as they usually do, but maybe there's no, no secret message to we're excited for Trey and Sam to compete. We want Brock back. Maybe listen instead of being detectives and trying to decipher every little thing. In my opinion, as usual, they make statements that are based on the present mm-hmm. while insulating themselves for later on by saying things like, we look at all the possibilities. That's them telling you, hey, we are looking at that. But we love the guys that we have in that room, Sam and Trey and, and Brock. This is why everybody's talking about like, oh, what they said. What they say is very matter of fact. Sometimes we should st- step away from the body language We should step away from deciphering words and actually listen because they always tell you kind of what they want to do. Um, I, Bobby, I can't admit that they were going to trade Trey last week because I never believed that. I never once believed that. Neither of us. Never once believed that. And to go back to because the cap space thing was something that was speculated on where they said, where people were saying, well, how did you not know that you could restructure and then they could trade Trey? After June 1st, that cap hit is like $1 million. Why did you need to restructure to open up a bunch of cap space if you can still wait one month, one calendar month, if you really wanted to trade Trey Lance and not have any dead cap? Dead, dead cap? Guys, let's start to put our thinking caps on. The tea leaves sometimes are Aaron Rodgers' tea leaves. They're, they're not giving you the right information. It's all there in front of you if you just want to choose to logically look at it. That's it. That's all I'm going to say about it. But, Steph, one more thing before we go. The 49ers didn't address off- offensive tackle at all. Colton McKivitz, come on down. You are that guy, pal. 
How are we feeling? Um, I'm, I'm feeling that I'm going to wait to see how this plays out. Right. You know, in the past, they've, they've done this before where, you know, everyone thinks that they have this position of need, you know, last year it was, uh, safety and it was also, uh, what was it? There was another, oh, center. Everyone was like, they got to draft a center. They, they need to draft a center. Um, but they did not. They stuck with Jake Brendel and see how that worked out. I mean, it, it wasn't a bad move. He, he was a very solid center for them. And I think they're looking at the same thing for Colton McKivitz, right? Before the draft, I was kind of thinking, I, I, I was changing, you know, my kind of outlook on whether they would take uh, a tackle or not because. Matt Mayoko on the 49ers talk podcast brought up the very great uh, fact that if they were considering trading Mike McGlinchey last season, that tells you they would have been fine. Even then of having Colton McKivitz be the starter at right tackle. So they like Colton McKivitz. 100%. Like, so I think that's a vote of confidence. The fact that they did not go tackle, uh, you know, in this draft, another vote of confidence. And I'll also point out, you know, Adam Peters and Tariq Ahmad had a post draft, you know, presser and pretty much Tariq Ahmad said that they, in addition to scouting, you know, this, this class, and they look at all the players, they also scout against their current roster. So they got to look at, okay, are these guys better than who we have? And ultimately they came away thinking that no, none of these tackles, Blake Freeland was there for them. Uh, you know, I think three separate times, right. When they picked in the third round, clearly not someone that they felt, uh, you know, could beat out any of the guys that they currently had, including Matt Pryor, um, including Jalen Moore, right. Left tackle, uh, who, who, they could potentially, you know, try to see what he looks like on the right this this offseason season as well. Um, but also John Lynch pointed out the fact that, yeah, we saw a lot of we saw a big run of tackles go in like the first two rounds. And he's right about that. So I think a lot of the, you know, day one or uh, guys who probably they felt could have potentially beat out some of the guys on the roster probably won in the first round. Right. So at that point, you know, after that you say, okay, let's pivot to something else. So I think, yeah, they, they weren't really convinced of the tackles that were available for them uh, when they picked. And I'm okay with that. Like we said, Colton McKivitt's going to be that guy and I'm gonna give them that chance because Ultimately, in the past when they've done this and they've had depth guys move up to starting roles, it has worked out. So I'm just going to hold my judgment and see what he looks like in training camp. 100%. And again, last year we had all this worry about the interior line. What is Banks going to look like? What's Brendel going to look like? What's Burford going to look like? And I think that worked out pretty well. So I do think we do owe them a little bit of benefit of the doubt. Um, my only concern would be injury, but again, you bring in Feliciano, who Feliciano can can pull in for right guard. You can move Burford back out to right tackle. They have a lot of possibilities on the table. So um, I just a lot of the, the the draft press conference afterwards was centered around Colton McKivitz. Like it was almost like they just drafted Colton McKivitz, and they were talking about how much they loved him. Um, so I just found that interesting. Like when I looked through the transcript, the thing that jumped out at me was there were three questions in in the middle, and it was all about Colton McKivitt. So, again, 
Vote of confidence. They said that that's how they felt about Jake Brendel at the time, who had started only three games. So they do owe we do owe them the benefit of the doubt when it comes to that. And we've also seen them be competent on offense with a right tackle, Tom competent, Tom Compton. Um, <laughs> uh, you know, at times. Nice. So you know, Kyle Shanahan can find ways to yeah, you like that, right? Um, Kyle Shanahan can find ways to get around those sort of things. It's not like he's going to leave a right tackle on an island, anything like that. The offense will continue to function in a way, you know, and again, McKibbis played in week 17 in, in a do or die game for Trent Williams. He was largely fine. Um, and even Trent Williams kind of, you know, hinted at, I probably shouldn't have played in that NFC title game and maybe he might've done better, but you know, again, the pass is the pass, but they do have a great deal of confidence in Colton McKibbis. That's what I walked away with. Not only with the draft choices, but with their words. Their words are just plain black and white, a smack dab in the middle. Steph, almost an hour. Thank you for your time. I understand you're very busy. You're about to do some more draft prospect stuff, right? Like you're going to, you know, do any more interviews, anything like that? Nope, you're done. No, done, man. No, honestly, I want to say now that the draft is over, um, your, your coverage, this entire draft with prospects, the tracker, invaluable to all of us. You've been doing a hell of a job. It's been amazing to watch you grow stuff. And I'm, I'm so happy to, you know, do this with you and just be able to watch one of my friends um, really, really ascend um, this past year. So give it up for Steph Sanchez, everybody. We're going to do drink champs. Let's go. We've got to give it up for Steph. Uh, everybody's just laughing. Uh, but uh, yeah, for sure. Um, I just want to make you. sure you get your flowers as well, too. You crushed it this entire draft season. Thank you. I don't know what to do with myself anymore. Like now that the draft is over, like trying to pivot over to. uh... I don't know what to do with my hands. Uh, yeah, I guess so. we should. I guess we should just start analyzing the draft picks. But you know, at the same time, yeah. this is a fun time because we're getting closer. I think in about a week or two, we're gonna get the schedule. Then we have a ton of stuff that we can talk about in terms of like we can just start saying Niners seventeen and 0, 20 and oh, all the way to the chip. Like no questions asked. Like we can just start giving out those sort of predictions and everything as well too. But uh, yeah, that's gonna do it for this episode of Bully Ball. Um, I'm Jason Aponte. That's Steph Sanchez. Make sure you are subscribed to Golden Golden. Gold Standard Podcast Network, wherever you get your podcasts. Make sure you follow Steph on Twitter at Steph49K. Make sure you follow me on Twitter at JasonApante2103 um, and on Twitter, GS Podcasts and GSN49ers on Instagram. For Steph Sanchez, for Jason Aponte, we're out of here. Peace.